This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. How close are you to God? If you had to answer that question today, how would you answer it? Just how close are you to God? I've had people come up to me after maybe I preached a sermon. They said, Brother Lambert, I, I, I thought about coming up today and, and getting things right with the Lord because I just don't feel as close to the Lord as I used to. Well, how close do you feel to Him today? We want to talk about getting closer to God. Stay tuned. Now, today on Getting to Know Your Bible, we continue to offer a free Bible course and that you might know how you can study this course free of charge, we'd like to pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580. Or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I'm going to be reading today from the 10th chapter of Hebrews, and I'm going to read verse number 22, Hebrews 10:22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. A man and his wife were driving out through the countryside one Sunday afternoon. He's driving the car and she's sitting over as far on the other side in the passenger side as she can get. And she says, you know, honey, it used to be when we'd take these drives that we'd sit close to each other. And he looked down at the distance between himself and her, and he said, well, I don't think I've moved. You see, how close are you to God today? Are you as close as you used to be? Are you as close as you need to be? Are you as close as you want to be? You know, James chapter 4 and verse 8 says, draw near to God. And what will God do? God will draw near to you. You draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. So what we'd like to do today is to examine this question, how do you get close to God? How do you draw near to God? And in order to answer that, we're going to be examining the passage that I just read from Hebrews 10 and 22. And these are the observations that we would like to make. Number one, we draw near to God with a pure heart. Draw near to God with a pure heart. Well, let me ask you, what is a pure heart? Well, the way I'd answer that, that a, that a pure heart is a genuine heart. 
a true heart, a real heart, an honest heart. Draw near to God with a true heart. Now, one of the things that is excluded here is lip service. You know, a lot of people give God lip service. Jesus said this people uh, honor me with their lips, and they, but, but he said their heart, their heart is far from me. They're, they're, they're not as close as they really think they are. So lip service, offering lip service is excluded. And we can be con deceived about where we are. The heart is a very deceptive thing anyway. Jeremiah 17 and 9 says, The heart of man is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Well, I'll tell you the answer to that question. God can know the heart. He's the searcher of the heart, Acts 1, 24. And so God knows our hearts, and, and our hearts have to be guarded. If we're going to have that true heart, be able to draw near to God with a true heart, a genuine heart, then it has to be a guarded heart. Uh, Proverbs 4 and verse 23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. We have to guard our hearts against certain things. For example, we should guard our hearts against false teaching. Guard our hearts against a religious error. 1 John 4 and verse 1 says, Try the spirits, whether they are God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. And so we have to try the spirits. Well, how do we try the spirits? We try the spirits by measuring what men teach by the Word of God. And when an individual who claims to be a preacher of the Word of God uses everything in his sermon except the Word of God, that's, he's kind of suspect, don't you think? When he cannot back up what he says with book, chapter, and verse, when he cannot prove what he says with the Bible, there's reason to believe that he may not necessarily be teaching you the truth. Guard against error. Uh, what about the encroachments of sin in our life? We live in a world of sin and sinners, but we don't have to be uh, in, in, uh, involved in all of that. As a matter of fact, Paul in Romans 12 said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your minds that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So if we're going to guard our hearts, we have to guard them against the encroachments of sin. But I think the one area where we have to really guard our hearts in order that we might have a true heart, a genuine heart, is our attitude. You know, Solomon said in Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 3, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So whatever a man thinks, he is. And so we, uh, we need to guard our thinking and our attitudes. And I've often said, and I've, I really believe, that the most difficult thing in the world to control and to keep under control is our attitude. Attitude is more important than your altitude because your attitude it determines everything that you do in life. It determines what you do in life. So we need to keep our attitude under control. Sometimes people don't have a really good attitude. And, 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 and you know, they're not guarding their hearts. If we want to draw near to God, we have to come with a genuine heart, a, a, an honest heart. 
Not a heart that is... And we have to guard against prejudice, I'll tell you. We have to guard against that. Because that can cause our hearts to be wrong with God. Matthew 13 and 15, Jesus said, This people's heart is wax gross. Their ears are dull of hearing. Their eyes they have closed. Lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart. And I should heal them. And the healing there is spiritual healing. He's not talking about physical healing. He's talking about spiritual healing. And sometimes preacher, men will, and women will see the word heal in the Bible and they just assume that it's always talking about physical healing. But no, here it's spiritual healing. He cannot heal the diseases of your soul if you've got your mind already made up what you're going to believe. So we have to guard the heart. And we approach God with our whole heart. You see, Jesus said to love God with all of your heart, Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. But in Hosea chapter 10 and verse 2, where the Bible there talks about these people, their heart is divided. You cannot draw near God with a divided heart. You have to come with a whole heart. So draw near to God with a true heart. But a second observation we make from this text is we draw near God in full assurance of faith. Now, folks, it's hard to draw near to someone or be close to someone you don't really believe in. Wouldn't you agree with that? We will never be close to God without a deep faith in God. As a matter of fact, Hebrews 11 and verse 6 says, Without faith, it is impossible, impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, that He is a rewarder of all of them that diligently seek Him. So in order that we might draw near to God, we must come in full assurance of faith. These observations are in order. Number one, you cannot please God without faith. Notice it again. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Secondly, we must believe God exists, that He is, that He is real. To some, God is nothing more than just a, a figment of somebody's imagination. And to, to some people, God is nothing more than just a, a, a grandfather, a Santa Claus, to give them what they need, what they want. But you have to believe that God exists, that God is real. But a third observation from Hebrews 11 and 6 is this. We must believe that God rewards all of those that diligently seek Him. Are you diligently seeking God? You see, to draw near to God, we come with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Do you really, do you believe, do you really believe that God can save you? Well, Hebrews 7 and 25 says He's able to save to the uttermost all of them that come unto God by Him. You see, you have to come. You have to do the coming. You have to come to God by Jesus Christ. Do you really believe that? Do you have faith that God can save you? Do you have the full assurance of your faith? Are you saved right now? How would you answer yes or no? Are you saved? You say, now, I don't like someone putting me on the spot. Well, now, I'm not putting you on the spot. I'm just asking, do you, are you saved right now? Yes or no? 
We either know or we don't know. Well, someone says, I didn't know that you could know. Well, listen, he said, we can have full assurance of our faith. In 2 Peter 1 and 10, Peter said, make your calling and election sure. In 1 John 2 and 3, the Bible says, we know, we know him if we keep his commandments. We can know, we know him. So do you know him? Can you, you will never be close to God unless you have the assurance of your salvation. Unless you, as a penitent, confessing believer in Jesus Christ, have had your sins washed away by being baptized into Christ, and that's for the remission of your sins. Acts 2.38 and Romans 6, verse 3 and 4. So have you done that? Draw near to God, how? Number one, with a true heart. Number two, in full assurance of faith. Folks, when God saves you, there aren't any question marks. There are no question marks when God saves you. Listen to Paul in 2 Timothy 1 12. I know in whom I have believed. I am persuaded it is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. No question marks in Paul's mind about his salvation. And nor should there be in yours. You want to be close to God? You come to God with a good heart, with a true heart, a genuine heart, an open heart, a receptive heart. You come to God in full assurance of faith, believing in God, believing that He is God, believing in His reality, believing that He can reward those that diligently seek Him. But you have to diligently seek Him. And then third, we learn from this text that we draw near to God having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. Now, let's think about the conscience of man. What can happen to it? Man's conscience can be hardened. Man's conscience can become insensitive. I think people can become so hardened and insensitive to wrongdoing that they no longer are embarrassed about it. That's what Jeremiah 6 tells us, that where they are shame. When they committed abomination, he says, no, they were not ashamed, neither could they blush. They were so hardened and so insensitive in their sin, they were not hardened, they, they were not embarrassed, they were not, they were not, uh, uh, there was not a tinge of guilt in their conscience about what they had done. You see, that's what can happen to us. Man's conscience can be hardened to God's will. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul wrote and said, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Conscience seared with a hot iron. A man's conscience can become hardened and seared. In Ephesians 4.19, Paul talked about those who are past feeling. They don't have any feeling anymore. They're insensitive. The reason some people say it doesn't bother me to do such and such. I don't see any wrong in, in doing this or that or the other. It's because they have been hardened to, and become insensitive to sin. So that's what sin does to you. You can, you can be deceived by sin and hardened to it. And it doesn't bother some people. In, in Paul's day, when he wrote the book of Romans, in the first chapter, the people had gotten so hardened and insensitive about the sin in their life, the Bible actually says that God gave them up to a reprobate mind to do those things that are not convenient. 
And so if we want to be close to God, we've got to have our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. And Paul, Saul of Tarsus was a man who was a very conscientious man. As a matter of fact, when he was persecuting Christians, he thought he was doing God's service. But he found out later he was wrong. In Acts 23, verse 1, he said, I lived in all good conscience before God to this day. His conscience was wrong. And it took Jesus Christ to save him. It took Jesus Christ to, to do something about his evil conscience. Paul in 1 Timothy 1.13 said, Who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and in unbelief. And then verse 15 he said, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Paul considered himself chief sinner. His conscience had been hardened, seared, insensitive to killing Christians. It didn't bother him when Stephen was stoned. It didn't bother him to take men and women and, out of their homes and put them into prison, even to kill them. He thought he was doing what was right. But he had an evil conscience. And it took the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to do something about Saul of Tarsus' conscience. You see, it's the blood of Jesus Christ that can cleanse an evil conscience. In Hebrews 9, Paul in the 14th verse says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. It takes the blood of Jesus to cleanse an evil conscience. So when Paul talked about the sprinkling of a, our, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, it, it takes the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse that evil conscience. And this is the way that we are able to draw near to God through Jesus' blood. And there's no other way that you can get close to God except through the blood of the cross. Listen to Paul in Ephesians 2, 12 and 13. That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and being without God in the world, but now, but now, right now, in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were afar off are made nigh, that is, you're brought near by how? By the blood of Christ. We don't get close to God because we've got lots of money. We don't get close to God because we have good education. We don't get close to God because we have a wonderful personality. We don't get close to God because of the color of our skin. We get close to God because of the blood of Jesus. We draw near with a true heart full of assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. Well, let's notice the next part of this passage. And we draw near to God by having our bodies washed with pure water. You see, to come near to God, you have to come by the way of the cross. The only way people will ever be at one with God and be reconciled to God is by way of the cross. 
In Ephesians 2, 14, Paul said his, for he is our peace. He is our peace. You see, man is at war with God, and God wants man to be at peace with him. And Jesus came as the Prince of Peace to bring peace between God and man. Colossians 1.20 says, We have peace through the blood of His cross. But in Ephesians 2.14, He says, For He is our peace. We have made both one, that's Jew and Gentile one, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments containing ordinances, for to make himself of twain one new man making peace, that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. You see, the way that people all over the world can be united, the way that people all over the world can be one, peop one people, one body, is to be in the Lord Jesus Christ. What the world needs today is to come to the foot of the cross because it is through coming to the cross there's reconciliation to God. And it is when we come by the way of the cross, that's how our sins are washed away. You know, Acts twenty two sixteen says, Now why tarest thou rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. But somebody says, Brother Lambert, I thought the Bible taught that it's the blood of Jesus that washes away our sins. And that verse seems to indicate that when a person is baptized that their sins are washed away. That's exactly correct. In Revelation 1, 5, the Bible says, Unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And it's when we are baptized that by, the, by faith in the blood of Jesus Christ our sins are washed away. That's what the New Testament teaches, friends. And the blood cleanses our conscience. We read that a moment ago in Hebrews 9.14. But that blood cleanses our conscience when we are baptized. Listen to 1 Peter 3, verses 20 and 21. When once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a prepared, wherein few, that is eight souls, were saved by water. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. Baptism does also now save us. Not the putting away of the filth of flesh, not just taking a bath, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's when an individual who believes in Jesus, who's willing to repent of sin, who's willing to acknowledge their faith in Jesus Christ. And when that individual is baptized into Jesus Christ in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the purpose of having their sins washed away in the blood of Jesus Christ, it can be said their bodies have been washed with pure water. We draw near to God by having our sins cleansed, our sins washed away in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Draw near to God. And we draw near to God and we stay near to God by holding fast 
Look at verse 23 of Hebrews 10. Let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. You see, you want to stay close to God. And the way that we stay close to God is by holding fast. And that's a theme that runs throughout the entire Bible. It's a theme that runs especially throughout the book of Hebrews. Hold fast. And this is what Luke referred to in Acts 2.42 as continuing steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And as long as we hold fast, we have access to that cleansing blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to 1 John 1 verse 7, if we walk in the light. I think another way to put that would be if we hold fast, if we continue steadfastly, if we walk in the light, as He is in the light. We have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Hold fast. I suppose that the, that the next Lord's Day rolls around. That every, every person who's ever been a member of the Church of Christ would show up. There would be the largest, biggest church building expansion in the history of the Church of Christ in America. I personally know of people at one time were faithful Christians, but they stopped staying close to God. They didn't hold fast. So I suggest to you that if we want to stay close to God, we've got to hold on. We've got to hold fast, continue steadfastly in the Apostles' Doctrine. Let's never give up. Are you a Christian today? You want to be close to God today? God wants to be close to you. And He wants to walk hand in hand with you. He, he wants you to be like Enoch of old, that He walked with God. He wants you to be, be like those of old who were in fellowship with Him. Be like David when he said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Because you see, he can be your shepherd too. You just have to follow his leadership and you'll be close to God. I want to encourage you to take the Bible course we have mentioned on getting to know your Bible. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.org. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at knowyourbible at golftel.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214.
Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.